0: If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our episode, The Job Doctor. Today, The Job Doctor is in, and we are breaking with tradition today. Instead of taking callers, we are actually going to talk to somebody that is in my book, The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. He's Mr. Maverick in my book, and he taught me some really valuable lessons about how to be a better collaborator and work with other departments better that I've taken with me into my life. And just to give you all context, if you haven't read the book, I had a pretty adversarial relationship with sales for a long time. In fact, I, at one point, I almost got fired because of it, because I couldn't get along with sales. And now, I, you know, I've been gone from the company for some time. They didn't fire me. But I will tell you that I learned so much from this group of people and this leader in particular. And uh, I'm still more connected with his sales team and the people that I worked with. Than any other people in the company. I still talk to them on a regular basis, and I really learned to love this group of people, and they taught me a lot. So, uh, Mr. Maverick, let me just welcome Mr. Maverick, whose name is actually Chance Allred. Chance, welcome to the show.
1: Awesome. Thank you. It's good to be here, Tessa.
0: So, Chance and I, um, let me just give you the backdrop of the story that's in the book. It's on the chapter on politics, and Chance actually told me I had come from insurance, so I was really slow at getting things across the finish line. One could say slow. If you're a Vivint Solar, it's slow. But if you you were in the healthcare industry, you're methodical and buttoned down. And I thought I was being tied down and buttoned down. I thought I was working at lightning speed. And Mr. Maverick comes to me one day and asks for my help on a comp plan. And I think I'm just like killing it by working really fast. And the next time I go talk to him in a few weeks... He's got the whole freaking plan done and rolled out. Like, they've already announced it to the sales team, and i was so pissed off about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said to me, you're too slow. Like, that phrase, you're too slow, actually was the pivot for me to kind of learn from him and to cut to the end of the story. He, I don't know why he gave me a second chance, but he did. And he taught me to work faster. He taught me that you have to read your environment And that some companies, if you read about politics, I actually outline, is a company fast or slow? Are they innovative? Are they safe? There's a whole bunch of different characteristics you have to look for. But my ability to listen to what he said, even though it ticked me off, and work faster helped me do better at that company at a time that if I hadn't made the adjustment, I think I would have washed out. So, Mr. Maverick, Chance, tell (laughs) me about that story from your perspective. Do you remember it at all?
1: Um, yeah, I I remember it. I guess I I think I remember it a little differently than you. Um, in the fact that so I guess as I was reading it, rather than thinking about the company politics, I would say I felt like I, you know, was focused on uh it was a very fast-paced, fast moving environment that we were in. Although the company was a little bit larger at the time, I felt like it was still very much an entrepreneur startup, like uh, with how fast the industry was changing. Oh, it, no it question.
0: Changed. It was lightning fast. In fact, I, our strategy for a while was go, just go. Do you remember yeah. that? It was just like, get yeah. crap done now. I don't care if it's wrong, fix it if it's wrong, just go yeah. fast.
1: Yeah, and we were we were struggling at the time. We would bring in all this talent, we would train them, we would work you know, to help them to be successful, they loved it, and then they would quickly get poached, um because right, yeah, and it was just compensation how they were getting poached. They would say, Hey, hey, looks like I can go do the same thing for another company and get get paid more money, So my view that sales reps were leaving, and we needed to make an adjustment quickly, and it was pretty clear like um, what we were doing wasn't working, and there was a few ideas, but this idea, you know, other executives and sales leaders, and people kind of unanimously said, "Hey." like, this will work. And this is a great idea. And, you know, we should do it. So then and you once,
2: did
1: it. I, once I kind of knew we should yeah. do it, it was like, you know, my view was HR, you know, you're you're here to help us implement um, things that are going to help our employees and help our revenue. Yeah, it could and, be my
0: bottleneck, uh, HR.
1: Yeah, let's mm-hmm. go. And it actually took us a while to get on the same page, I felt like with that relationship. But once we did, like I felt like things actually went very fast and smooth. And I remember, you know, we talked about recruiting and next thing you know, we have this new recruiting arm in the company that was doing something quite innovative that nobody had ever done before um that was highly, highly successful in a way that hadn't been done. And so, yeah. So I think it took us a minute to hit our stride, but once we did, oh, we were it a good didn't team. Take,
0: it took me a minute to hit my stride. You know, when I came in, I was really concerned on that comp plan about, well, we've got to test it and you've got to roll it out slow and you've got to do a test group and you got to make sure you know what's happening. And you were like, no, absolutely not. We'll fix it as we go and we'll learn as we go. And so when I talk about politics, it's not really politics as people know them. I describe politics are really the culture of the company. What's the culture of the company? Because if you can't read it, if I treated Vivint Solar like a healthcare company and was buttoned up and made sure everybody bought in and everything was written down and tested and tied off and and really done in a healthcare kind of way, the company would be out of business. And yet, if I applied Vivint Solar politics to another company like healthcare, I would have been fired because I would have been reckless and haphazard. And- I learned so much from you about we're okay to make mistakes. Just do something and then we'll fix it. Make the mistake, but we got to take action because these sales guys, the turnover was like, I don't know, 150% or something. This is a 100% commissioned job. And so, you know, as I grew in appreciation for you, I understood. You knew your people. You knew what they needed in order to stay at a company where there was a lot of reasons for them to quit. And so I do want to talk to you about leadership a little bit because I consider you to be a real master at helping Gen Z in particular feel like you can bend the curve on loyalty because they don't have a lot of loyalty to companies. But for some reason, you know how to bend the curve on loyalty and get people to have skin in the game and want to stay. Tell me about your secrets there. What what do you do when you go in and assess a group? And how do you figure out how to bend the curve on loyalty?
1: Um, so, so I guess the answer will kind of relate to both your first question and to this one, which is, I think first you need to really find out like who the stakeholder is and like what's important to them. Mm -hmm. So in the first one, it was like, who is the stakeholder? You know, we had the company, we had the board of directors, we Mm -hmm. had the CEO and, you know, and I, I felt like it was really important that I understand, Hey, you know, I need to know what's really important for the company, what's really important for you, and then I can help develop the strategies, implement them, and go fast to drive those results and get results in a meaningful way that are actually tangible that you can see and uh, and then the company's going to love you and value you and I think do most of anything they can to retain you and to pay you. And you're right. And yeah,
0: I mean, it sounds so trite when you say find out what the stakeholders want do that thing and let me find out what the employees want and match it up. It sounds so simple, but it isn't because what most people do in a company is if they want to raise, they'll say something like, I haven't had a raise for a few years and so-and-so is making more than me and this company's paying more, which is all about me, but not at all about the stakeholder. And so the minute that you can address what does the company need, what do I have that the company needs and what are they trying to accomplish? And then you align for you, you were master aligning the pay to exactly what the company needs. Then you make new decisions. You made some awesome decisions about how to align people. If the company wanted these salespeople to stay in the seat longer, and they needed those sales, and they were 100% commission initially, what were some of the things you did to make people stay?
1: Yeah, well, so some of it was connecting the dots to here's what the business and industry is like wanting. hmm and then really understanding what the employee wants. Like, hey, and I would ask all the time, like, what's important to you?
2: Mm-hmm. Big question. And,
1: yeah. And then I would have a notebook and I would write them down. And then I'd really see the trends of like what was important to people. And then as you connected the dots from what's important to the company and what's important to them, mm-hmm then you can, um, you know, then, then you can do it. And, you know, a few general themes, um, you know, I, I want to be recognized for my work. It's really hard. Yes. And and so then we're like, so a whole recognition system then was built around, you know, people love to see their faces. They want to be, they, they want to be recognized for the good work that they do, especially when they're going above and beyond, right? You're and right. so rather than using email or We actually came up with like an ESPN style weekly, we called it League TV. Yeah, it was League
0: TV with a ranking system and they won all these like cool swag from Nike, right?
1: Yeah. And then, uh, so you get recognized, you could earn trips and these trips would definitely be highlighted and, and and pushed for. And so there, there was, you know, over the top recognition for those who were performing and that, that was something that was very, you know, that was very valued. Uh, by the people, they wanted to see their faces, they wanted to see their names, they wanted to have uh, special perks where we would do things where the CEO would go and they would get special time with them doing something really, really fun. And uh, that time and that experience was something that they couldn't buy. So yeah. it was more than money for them. It was creating an experience. An
0: experience. It yeah.
1: was uh, creating an experience for them. that, And then we would post it and we would share it. And then others were like, I want that same experience and it looks like the very clear metrics of what I need to do to like help make that happen.
0: That's really important that you say that. I mean there's a couple of important takeaways for listeners. One is storytelling is incredibly important. Like you can't just send an email saying, Joe's great. Thank you for your efforts. But the story behind what they're getting and why, so that you have like legends in your company that other people look up to. That's something you did very well. And the other thing that you talked about was it's so important. I wish people understood. The deepest need any employee has is to feel like they're making a difference. And if that is missing, they'll leave all day long. And so you are trying to reinforce, like on steroids, how you're making a difference at all these little markers along the way, which is why, by the way, people, one year annual increases don't work anymore. Chance is talking about doing small things all along the way to get people excited and seeing their name and seeing that they are earning something or you know holding them up as an example so that they're constantly feeling like they're making a difference.
1: Yeah. And so really I think that was kind of the secret sauce connecting the dots on what's important for the employee, finding mm-hmm. that out. And how do you you know, how do they want to be communicated with? How do they want to be recognized? Mm-hmm. What's important for them with pay? What's important for them with their career? And then you just align that with what the company wants. And it's kind of the secret sauce. And then when you start doing things, it's not like, hey, Tessa, you need to do this for the company because you're an employee. It's like, no, no, Tessa, I'm coming to you because I want to make you more successful. I want you to grow in your career and I want you to make more money. You're like, great. That's exactly what I want. Okay, so here's what we're going to do to do that and really put it in terms of of you specifically as an employee. Like, here's the things you can do. And as you do these things, this is what you progress to. And, and here's how you make more money and here, you know, and here's some innovative things you could be thinking about and we'd love you to try. And, and then it, yeah. Do you know how rare that
0: is chance? I mean, what you just said is exact. I mean, there's so many people listening right now saying, I want him as a manager. He gets it because you're speaking to what they want. You're like, Hey, you, you've now done your homework. So you know what the company wants and you're figuring out now how to tie it out for them and saying, I know you want more money. I know you want to grow. I know you want to be utilized. Here's here's how you do it. Here's the secret way to do it. And here's, I'm going to give you a pathway to get it done. So few managers do that. They just keep heaping on responsibility and saying, hey, keep working harder and eventually we'll reward you. I promise. My word. But it doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. Or even worse, they'll get on calls and say, you know, if you don't meet this minimum standard, you're out. And they'll talk about it a lot. It's like, I don't ever really want to talk about those things. Oh. Yeah, people will know what the minimum standard is. And by the way, they're going to, you know, people find out if they're not hitting those because those people end up not working out for the company. But those aren't something you should focus on or talk about or even really think about. You you spend all of your time and energy focusing on how do we help you grow? How do we help you make more money? How do we help you hit these higher levels? How do we help you progress in your career? And that progression might even mean we're training you to help you go progress at another company, which is also great because we love you. We value you. We want you to succeed. I want you to succeed. And genuinely, I'm like genuinely happy when I see people grow, make money, be successful. And especially even when they go to other places to do it, it's it's great to see that you know, continual progression. And then the, you know, the interesting thing is then you're not trying to hang on to people. You're attracting people. People mm-hmm. want to stay you're right, want to grow. And, and you don't even really have to think about very much. Like how do I attract the right talent and how do I keep them? Uh, because that's just a natural byproduct of focusing on the right things, which are, how do I give you a great experience? How do I help you grow? And yeah, I'm going to push you to do these things because not necessarily for the company, I'm going to push them. Because I want you to grow personally, I want you to make more money and, and you believe in people. And then as you believe in them, like they'll start believing in themselves even more than they thought they could do originally.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Especially when you talk about those, you know, generations, like they want somebody who one knows what's important to them, and then two believes in them. We're like we're here to build you up. We're here to support you. We're here to help you grow. And by the way, we're going to push you because we believe in you and we know you can do it. That's when employees, I feel like, really start buying in, and you start seeing, you know, production production double, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Retention double. You start seeing magic happen, and people are like, "How did that happen?"
0: I've seen you do that over and over, and because my audience loves. They love to get examples. They like to see, well, how do you implement it? I love what you're saying, but how do you implement it? I'm just going to give a couple of examples of when you've done this and what it looked like. And I want you to think of some that you, maybe I don't mention, because when he says this, here's what it looks like. Chance would recruit people and say, look, we know you're not going to stay with us forever. Probably, you know, this is a commission only job. It's a sales job, but you may have ideas to be an entrepreneur and start your own business. If you stay with us, I'm going to teach you how to run your own business so that when you leave me, you can run your own popcorn stand. You can do your own thing. And he actually would actively train people on elements of running your own business so that if they left the company, they were ready. And I thought that was incredible. And you also would say, uh, he would take the same cost envelope, but he would say, hmm, I know that you're that you're struggling in this commission job to get the first, you know, to build up something that isn't commission. So you built a comp plan that took a bit of the commission and moved it over into a residual so that it felt like a base pay. And the longer they stayed with us, the more base pay type income they got, which was really just commission that was kind of moved over to another bucket. And the other thing you did that I really liked is you said, people don't know what to do with their money. If they start to make a lot of money, these guys don't know what to do. So I'm going to teach them a little bit about how to be financially smart with your money, which again, could have led them to leave the company, but you weren't afraid of it. You're just like, we're here to grow you and then let you spread your wings, whether it be here or somewhere else. So what else have you done, Chance? Go ahead and mm-hmm. give some specific examples, because I think you really are a creative thinker that way. And it's it's so effective.
1: Yeah, I think those are those are definitely... Examples that we're, we're still working to improve and and refining to help employees. Um, so some other examples are, you know, people, they want to grow, they want to learn, they want to make a difference, but they also uh, want to have that sense of, of family. They want to have that sense of friendship. Like we spend more of our time with people that we work with
2: mm-hmm. than
1: we do with sometimes even our own families. And so those relationships are really key to happiness. And if people are not feeling good about those relationships,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's going to be, you're not going to want to stay with the company long-term. It's going to be hard to give it your very best effort. And we've all, you know, we've all had experiences with companies where you could tell the employee loved to be there and loved to work there mm-hmm. as, a, as a consumer. And you've had experiences with people who you could tell they hated the company and they didn't want to be there. Yeah. And Your experience as a customer is wildly different based on how that employee is feeling about the company. And so it's really, I think, an issue where a lot of times people associate customer experience. Mm -hmm. And what do we do for customer experience? But you really got to start at the root of it, which is employee experience. And as the employees are having a great experience, guess what? They're naturally going to give those customers good experience and you can move the needle really fast and in a big way to help improve your customer experience if you're improving your employee experience. And so, you know, some things that we would do, um, like we would have leaders uh, do things to build culture. And this would be like, we would, you know, once every three months, we would have them put together uh, a charity event where we would fund some of it. And then they would plan it. They would, you know, put Mm -hmm. the group together and they would go to a women's shelter or they would go uh, to an environmental project. And just the fact that the team would get together, And they would serve together Mm -hmm. that time, like built bonds. It's really hard to do that with a team and not like the team that you work with. Right. And so just making, you know, team lunches, right. It's like, Hey, we're a team meeting. It's like, Hey, when you have a team meeting, like we were very prescriptive on what that meeting looked like, like, Hey, we know that we're going to have 30 or 40% of the team. That's brand new. That doesn't know what they're doing. And they need a lot of recognition mm-hmm. and they need their own recognition and they need to be held to a different standard than somebody who's been there yeah. for two or three years. And we made that mistake, you know, made that mistake where everyone would get in the room, everyone was held to the same standard. And then all the new people were like, I'm terrible, I'm awful, I should quit. Why should I even be here? I'm never gonna be that good. And it's like, well, it takes time in a lot of careers and a lot of jobs. And so you gotta, once we started segmenting people into they're different buckets. And then, and then we could recognize them among their peers. Mm-hmm. And then they felt like, hey, I am getting recognized. Hey, I am learning. Hey, I am growing. This is a good company for me to stay at um, and try to get to that, that next level.
0: You actually said something really deep, and I want to call it out. You said, if you want to improve your customer experience, then fix your employee experience. That's huge. That is huge. And that is so, so true. And the other thing that you connect the dots on is that people that serve together get bonds and want to stay together. And you're right. Going out to lunch is not the same as serving side by side. And I've been a believer for a long time that when people serve side by side together, it allows for them to connect in a meaningful way that you can't get any other way. I mean, it's just... When you're in the trenches with each other that way, it actually can be incredibly impactful uh, and make you feel very bonded to those people. So those are both really incredible takeaways, I think, for people. Um, the idea of helping people connect uh, and, and recognizing it's not just a job. You are at work longer than we're with our families most of the time. And so those connections are essential. You can't just treat somebody like they're a cog, and expect them to stay at your company, even if you pay them fairly. That's just not even the whole formula. So I love what you're saying about that.
1: The other thing I, I, you know, that I think about is it's like a lot of people in their careers or in their job, there's like you know, usually a handful of things that are really important to them. Uh, you know, the money that they make, they want to progress and grow in their career. They want to work at a company that has like. Or a place that is like, you know, making a difference in the world. And then, you know, a boss that they that they love and a team that they love. Like, those mm-hmm. are kind of the things that they look for. And most people usually get one or two of them, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm. Or
1: it's like, I got great pay, but my boss is an idiot. Like, they're right. hard to work with. Shouldn't be in the job and I don't like it. But I, my pay is good and the team's okay right? Where this company mission's amazing, boss is okay, pays okay. But, you know, and so there's usually one or two of those that tie them in. And if you really want to have a great company and a great place to work, like think about, try to hit all of them. List them
0: again. Chance, that was so good. List all of those again.
1: Yeah. Without being super thoughtful that, you know, off the cuff, here's the ones that I think are really important. So uh, like a company, a mission, a vision, uh, a place that is like making a difference that they can join and also make a difference. So people, uh, I think most people want to be a part of that. They want a boss that they love to work for. Like somebody's going to help them, mentor them, grow them, push them, be there for them, love them, like all of those things, Good. right? Uh, they want to work with other peers that they like. Like, I like to work with these people and we mm-hmm. enjoy it. Uh, the fourth one I would say is money. Like I want to make the most money possible. Right. And, and then the last one is career progression. I want to work somewhere that I'm progressing in my career. So th- those would be the five. And like I said, normally, if you were to talk to people, I'd say, you know, most companies can hit two of those. Sometimes people in their careers will hit three, but if you can be a place that hits four or five of those, like you're going to have a, an, an amazing time a recruiting, deal. gaining and growing talent because you're hitting kind of the you know, the core needs of uh, mm-hmm.
0: those individuals. I I would just strongly recommend people to do a little assessment on that because what you've just touched on is what I teach around Gen Z and what's important to a Gen Z. It, it's important to a lot of people. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important to other generations um, because clearly it is. But boy, if you could talk about hitting the nail on the head on five things, those are magical. So that's fantastic. Chance, I want to thank you for joining me today, and I want to ask you one question in ending because you've, you've managed a lot, and because you worked in a company where you got to experiment a lot, and if it didn't work, you got to pivot and make changes. What would you say is the single most important thing a new leader has to pay attention to if they want to be good at what they're doing as a leader?
1: The one most important thing... Uh, if I could only pick one, I would say there's a few that are really important, but if I only could pick one, I would say they need to either have influence with the people they're leading Mm -hmm. or they need to be able to gain that influence. If there's someone coming in new, cause really leadership is like, look over your shoulder and like, who's following you. Mm -hmm. And like, are they following you because you have a title and you have the position? And so they have to. Or they fall on you because you actually have their heart and mind and that they want to follow you and they want you to lead them. And you say jump and they say, how high, where do we go? And so you want to be the leader where the people are like, literally, I would follow that person wherever they go, whatever okay. they do, because they care about me. They pushed me. They okay. helped so me So if grow. that's the thing, they, that's your yeah, one so, thing,
0: then what would be the thing you would tell a new leader first week on the job to do? To go... Towards that end, what's the first thing you would do?
1: If you're a new leader coming in, you you need to take a minute to learn and you got to develop a relationship with people. They're not going to follow you if they don't know you and like you, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to develop a relationship with them. And then you got to set a vision pretty quickly of, hey, here's where I'm going to help you go. Yeah. And, And then you take them there.
0: But if you had to give them like a prescriptive, do this week one. How would you get to know your people? What's your secret sauce? How would you begin to get to know them?
1: Yeah, I think it's not one thing and I don't I think it's it's something that you gotta like it, it's like learning to play the piano or something like you mm-hmm. can't just say here's one quick tip and you're gonna be a great pianist like it actually takes work and effort to you know listen and find out what's important to them and to set and share a vision of like uh where where you're going and what you see it's how do you Uh, Personally, connect with them and relate to them, and and um, in things that are important to them. So it's like some people do better than others. Like some people are just so amazing at setting a vision when they meet people. Mm -hmm. People are like, "I love it. I'm going to follow them. Let's go." And other people are just like so connecting. They're like, "You care about me. That was a great connection we had." Mm -hmm. And you know, and and I'm uh, I trust you enough that I'm I'm willing to give you a shot and follow you, and then you build uh, over time, right, on that relationship. So, you know, I think you got to kind of take your natural abilities and, and like make the most of them.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things you do really well is you create the conditions for people to feel a part of something. You're really good at creating those conditions. You always put set aside budget even more than, than sometimes people thought you should have, but you set aside this budget for connection, for people to get recognized, to see each other doing their best work, to serve side by side. And it paid off every time. So thank you for your example. Thanks for teaching me, by the way, how important it was to read my environment and to be able to make the adjustment. Because had you not told me I was too slow when you did, I think I would have left the company and said they're just a screwed up company and I would have been wrong. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. Was, I loved working with you. You were uh, awesome uh, and uh, a cherished friend. So uh, congratulations on all your success and we're uh, keep cheering for you. And, and I love, love your content too. read your book, listen to some of your podcasts. It's uh it's amazing. So.
0: Oh, thanks chance.
1: You're decades of experience wrapped up for people like the it's a, uh, it's good stuff.
0: Thank you. Well, thanks for joining me. And it was really fun to do something different than we normally do. Thanks for cutting out the time for us and uh, everybody that's listening the book chapter that you want to read to find out about Mr. Maverick is Lies About Politics, and you'll read all about him. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.